Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to the CoThrive Community Podcast, where we speak with thought leaders, innovators, and catalysts for change in the emerging sharing economy. Today's show is made possible by My Social Media Coach, providers of social media coaching and training for small businesses and nonprofit organizations. You can learn more at www.mysocialmediacoach.com. My name is Kathy Sipple. I will be your host, and this is our very first show. You will be able to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, and once we have them, listen to archived episodes. You can also visit us on the web at www.cothrive.org for news, events, or to become a member. You can also communicate with us uh, on Facebook and Twitter. So my guest today is a friend, a client, and a regional change maker in my area, Northwest Indiana. Her name is Tina Rogers, and her company is Carner Blue Era LLC. And Tina facilitates, excuse me, transitions into new ways of thinking and doing. Her analytical and creative insights have helped governmental agencies, nonprofit organizations, and social entrepreneurs find sustainable pathways into their world of possibilities. She specializes in strategic initiatives where opportunities for positive change exist, but additional capacities and resources need to be found. So her professional experiences and personal interests equips her with the tools necessary to help people navigate through the sometimes complex ecosystem. So Tina, there's so much more I could say about you, but I want to just introduce you and get this, what I know is going to be a wonderful conversation started. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you, Kathy, for this opportunity to uh, be on your first podcast for CoThrive, and uh, it's an honor and Again, I just appreciate this chance to to talk about uh, good things happening in Northwest Indiana. Well, I appreciate you being here. We've had so many conversations over the past few years. All of them I wish we could have shared with people because I think we sometimes happen upon some really interesting idea combinations, and this is the way that I thought we could manifest those ideas in a more public way and share them. So for those people outside our area that may not be familiar with you and may not be familiar with the significance of Carner Blue, I thought that might be a good place to start. Can you just tell us a little bit about what is Carner Blue and what is your company, Carner Blue Era? Sure. So I first learned of the Carner Blue butterfly back in 1992 when I was an undergraduate student, and I had a professor who was a wonderful storyteller. His name was Dr. Mark Reshkin. And that day we were talking about sustainability. He was introducing the concept. And he talked about this native butterfly to the Great Lakes region called the Carner Blue. And he described this small little butterfly in the shadow of industry, uh, and particularly here in, in the shadow of the steel industry. And it just uh, captivated, the imagery uh, just captivated me. And that was the seed uh, for Carner Blue. And um, about five years ago, I had the opportunity to start my own business. And I always still had in the back of my mind this symbol of uh, Carner Blue for the flourishing of the human spirit. And I thought, what a great, uh, icon to use for a, a company focused on sustainable development. And so Carner Blue is um, 
representing the best in the human spirit and how we can move from old paradigms to new ones that really are more holistic and um, sensitive to a, a wide range of ecological, environmental, and human needs. Well, I just I just love that. And I love further how you de- developed the metaphor a little bit further on your website. And I'll just go ahead and tell people the website so they can find you. It's com. So that's K-A-R-N-E-R, blue, just like the color blue, era, E-R-A dot com. And you've you've got um, kind of portrayed the analytical wing and the creative wing. So just like the butterfly has two wings that helps it propel through the air, you've got two wings of areas that you focus on. So can you tell us a little bit about that, how you kind of tie those two analytical and creative wings together and, and just what are some things that you do under both of them? Sure. So this is evolving these two wings of my business. When I started in 2010, it was mostly analytical work, so working closely with governmental agencies and nonprofit organizations to help them more with some of the fundamentals and mechanics of um, community and economic development or organizational development. Um, but now I'm really trying to build out um, a uh, an integrated set of services that take not only the the science of what we know, but we can begin to add art, uh, artistry um, to the work that I do. So the creative services are really going to start to um, go in a new direction that really focuses on how do we use human creativity to drive meaning-making, better understanding, using communication, the power of story, um, but really trying to get at the heart of what people want to see for themselves, for their family, for their community. And ultimately, when we combine these analytical and creative services together, we're empowering transformation on multiple levels. Um, so with that, um, I think it really does embody this process of metamorphosis that... Um, that the natural butterfly goes through. Well, I just think that's so beautiful. And I also love that a lot of cultures acknowledge the butterfly as a symbol for the soul. And I just think mm-hmm. you you bring a really soulful approach to these things that can sound, you know, maybe a little bit dry, like the grant administration. <laughs> but I think that underlying, you know, everything that you do, you mentioned, you know, the social artistry and what was can you say what you said before, too, about the, the human spirit? You said, in, I, I know we talked about this In terms before. of the flourishing or the heart of it? Yeah, the flourishing of the human yeah. spirit. That's kind of really, I think, behind everything else that you do. Would that be accurate? It is, and really it comes out of... Um, with working with the concept of sustainability, so you know the three pillars of the economic, environmental, and social, when I began to practice um, and really work with communities, especially leadership teams, because that's really, I'm, I work closely with, with leadership teams, and what I came to realize was if it's 
the human spirit. It's what each one of us brings as an individual to the table that affects change. Um, So at the end of the day, you can design good systems, you can have technology, but if you aren't tapping into people's potential, giving them opportunity to take initiative to grow in themselves, that we're that sustainable development will never be sustainable. And so kind of this quest I'm on to really understand the human aspect um, and how we develop as humans, I think, is leading me to a real key to making our approach to development um, more full, more robust, and really we are human beings living spiritual lives, whatever that might mean for you, but uh, we're trying to bring out the best. And so it makes sense we're at a time, we're entering this new era of awareness, that it is about what we each bring uh, to the table that is ultimately going to affect this change. Um, so I think there's ways to do it when you're working with teams, Um, and ways to do that when you're working one-on-one. And then I think there's a lot of room for mobilizing and activating communities uh, by tapping into this this, uh, potential that we all have. I just have to tell you that I was imagining myself sitting in one of your leadership team meetings and you just using that kind of language and that kind of, you know, just approach, and I, I, I felt almost like I was in a meditation there for a minute. <laughs> I thought, wow, like what a positive energy that would be to bring to a leadership team. So, I, you know, I hope that these leadership teams that you work with really appreciate the information and the expertise that you bring, but I'm sure they also appreciate your really grounded and centered approach that is just, you know, very optimistic and very, um, you know, affirming all humans. So all of these things are such big ideas. I'm wondering if you could kind of break it down just with one concrete example, because I know you and I talked for several meetings before I really kind of got an idea of, okay, what do you do exactly? You know, you do such diverse things, but maybe you could talk about just one or two projects that you're either working on currently or that you, you know, recently finished, just to kind of give an idea of your approach and and your, you know, outcomes that are possible. Sure. I am fortunate to be working with some great clients who are change-making leaders and organizations themselves. And I think when we're talking about new direction, we don't always think about the city of Gary, Indiana, rising to the top of that. I think historically we we think about all that's kind of holding the, the city back, Um, But through the current administration, there's a lot of transformation taking place. And a lot of it is things you can't see um, if you aren't deep in the trenches. And again, my work is um, working behind the scenes with leadership teams. So there was the, thankfully we can say there was this iconic um, symbol of blight Uh, and that was the Sheraton Hotel in downtown Gary. A lot of people saw that building each day when they were, you know, either commuting into the city to work 
or, you know, jumping on the bus or doing some city business downtown. Um, and even as people in Chicago or southwest Michigan that were um, cutting through the area would see um, this blighted hotel that uh, was abandoned, graffitied, um, and really a symbol of all that was. In my work through the Northwest Indiana Regional Development Authority, I was a consultant to that organization, I had the opportunity to connect that regional um, entity with the uh, EPA Region 5, as well as with the City of Gary. And so these kind of triangle of develop development interests came together, and by me participating in creating this space to say how do we collaborate to bring down this, this iconic building so that we can indeed send the message that it's a new day in the city of Gary. And there was serendipity at one moment. We were able to save some, some funding that was going to be lost, and we were able to then save that money, assemble it together, with other dollars and actually once and for all bring the building down. Um, so again, my role in redevelopment of communities really involves helping leaders see more clearly their pathway for getting a job done. I help them make connections with other like minds, like dollars. Um, so I help pull those connections together. Um, and then within those teams, each person has more capacity to deliver, and I think through my consulting work, I'm able to coach and bring out more of what each team member is able to contribute. And that's really how I'm able to help empower transformation. It's really very one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> yeah, I love that so much. I'm not sure this would come to your mind as an appropriate metaphor, but one that really speaks to me is the, the concept of the three sisters in, mm -hmm. in Native American agriculture. They planted the corn, the beans, and the squash together. And in fact, the Co-Thrive logo is, it has elements of that. <laughs> and yeah. the whole idea is, you know, planted together, each piece does better than if they were planted alone in a monoculture. And it seems like by mm -hmm. assembling these teams, you end up with a really, you know, flourishing garden where one one of those resources might not have been enough to really get it done or would have taken it part of the way there. But by, you know, assembling a really healthy garden of people and money and ideas, you know, you, you really are able to make sustainable transformation happen. And I think that's just really beautiful. Well, in and like that metaphor, um, I actually do in my personal life practice uh, and and am involved in Native American communities. So through getting to know the culture, to reconnect with aspects of nature, with aspects of our 
greater relationships, it does strengthen your ability to create community and um, and really step into a circle with leaders as well as you know just interested people to create the space and allow them to bring forth their gifts to be a part of the dialogue. So a lot of consulting in this way requires, you know, holding back the ego and really allowing um, the greater work to work through you. And I think when you come into your projects, into your work, saying we're here to manifest something bigger than ourselves, um, it really allows kind of that three sister approach, that cult, you know, that most efficient and effective use of resources, um, whether they be human, economic, or or environmental. Um, so this is some of kind of the way I weave in different philosophy into my consulting practice in a very pragmatic way. I don't always talk like this when I'm with people in leadership teams, um, but it's really just um, sharing what you know in the moment and having full trust that that's the right, right guidance. Well, and I think this used to be common sense. <laughs> this used to yeah. not be probably some crazy talk. This was just the way things were until we got you know really used to doing things on such a large scale and believing that we were independent rather than interdependent and you know lost lost that sense mm-hmm. of community so i i just think that's a really great sensibility that you bring and you probably don't have to hit people over the head with the language of it <laughs> just knowing that that's what drives you i think will will bring those results you know without underlining that kind of thing yeah but and you, yeah go ahead i just wanted to add you know the other aspect of when you um Within yourself, you know, when you tr- when you're a balanced individual, and then you go out and consult others, what you're really able to do is balance the analytical and the creative, to look at product versus process, and so um, you know, as bringing in, I think before in business. It had to be more analytical. It had to be more of the masculine type of motif. And I think where we are in the world today is we are seeing this rising of um, process-oriented ways of doing and being that are beneficial to building collaboration, restoring sense of community. And it's not just women leading in that regard, I think, you know, allowing space for men also to use their analytical and creative capabilities uh, on projects and in programs is is a critical piece that we're, um, I think, more easily stepping into. I think that's a great point. It's it's not that men can't also have that same, they can't embody that feminine leadership principle, just as women, I'm thinking back in the 80s, we had the shoulder pads, we had the power suits, <laughs> you know, we tried we tried on their suit for a while, and now I think the pendulum has kind of swung back to the other way, and, you know, soon we'll probably be able to just embrace all that's good on all the different kinds of power, 
but mm-hmm. um you know i i think because you you are such a, a strong feminine archetype leader you're not overly concerned about grabbing the spotlight and i think you often are you know in the wings whether that's the analytical mm-hmm. the creative or <laughs> side wings and so I know another project that you've been very involved in is the um, the One Region. Um, so can you can you maybe just say a little bit about that? What your role was? What some of the outcomes have been? Yeah, I'm had a opportunity now for almost a decade to study the quality of life in Northwest Indiana, Lake Porter and Laporte counties, and I was able to first do that through. Um, the first organization, but as you know, they've merged into the One Region organization. And so this is a leadership uh, civic nonprofit that uh, every two to four years begins this um, study of 10 areas that constitute quality of life. Things like what are the demographics that make us up, What's the status of our economy? What's the environment, transportation, education, public health, public safety, um, arts and culture, government? And so right now we are, we've begun working on our 2016 report, and uh, I'm so excited. We've been doing some data collection, but we will be, over the summer, entering into a series of focus groups Our first one is in June, and we will work with data users and vendors and kind of academics, people that on a day-to-day basis dig in data, and allow them to kind of look at the types of things, indicators we've looked at in the past, like income, um, bus ridership, air quality, um, educational performance, and so forth, and have them kind of tell us, based on their expertise, what are the leading indicators within this prior universe that we've looked at. And then our second step will be to convene a focus group, which really will be a broader audience of policymakers, engaged citizens, you know, civic leaders, who can really talk about context of quality of life. So we've got these data that we're looking at, but what does it mean? How is it playing out in our daily lives? And so I think there's a real opportunity this time, some new momentum, I think, behind the report, its development for 2016, that I think will have some exciting um, elements to engage people in this question of what constitutes a good quality of life. Right. Well, I'm I'm thinking 2016 happens to be the bicentennial year for the state of Indiana. <laughs> so I really would love to see uh, empowered change by by that year, or you know, have it further along. And I do want to say that I'm just awfully glad that leadership has put you in a role where a person that cares about the flourishing of human spirit is the one who gets to interact with all this data. <laughs> because I, I think when you just hear the analytical wing, you don't necessarily hear the flourishing of human spirit, but it's like making those numbers come alive, looking at where they can go, following the energy of it, and looking at ways to create you know a brighter future through that is, is really pretty cool. 
Yeah, and actually it's, you know, what we hope is that this report isn't just kind of static data where we look at this is where we were 10 years ago and here's where we are today. Um, Because in 2012 we found we were a region in transition, which means we were kind of in this status quo um, stage of where things are just kind of maintaining and we're not seeing real progressive movement. Um, And what we're seeking in 2016 is how do we equip this data to mean more so that we actually take more action so that we move out of transition, but we're moving into this new state of doing, of of evolving um, towards, you know, these higher aspirations that the community has uh, for why we live, work, learn, and play here. I don't know if you'd go so far as to say the word heal, but I almost that's what comes to mind for me is to go out of transition and into healing to you know, a more powerful, sustainable state of being. Yeah, to to grow, um, to be sustainable does require, you know, a, a releasing of the past, of um, accepting where, what's presently going on. Um, and, you know, kind of this affirmation or an invitation to say, what else is possible and how do we move towards that possibility? And so I do think that's a function of healing. So we don't always think of ourselves as when we do economic development or community development to be healers, but there is an an aspect to the process of healing. When things are restored or renewed or growing, um, that's a different state and uh, a different stage. and, And life's continually moving through that process of of rebirth and so forth and so i i feel like there's so many great people doing things in the public private and nonprofit sectors in northwest indiana that this is a great time to begin to really celebrate all the great things that are going on all the great assets that we have um and to not fear change and really um get new people excited and get more generations involved. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's great, and I want to say I think Northwest Indiana has a great asset in you, <laughs> so we're lucky to have you on our leadership team. And I'm, I'm curious, though, are are your skills, methods, and is your business um, available to leadership teams outside of our area? Have you worked with others, you know, in other cities? Is that something that you you seek to do more of? Yeah, it absolutely is something I I do want for Carner Blue um, is, you know, that kind of ripple effect, the butterfly effect to go out. So, you know, I'm, this is my base in Northwest Indiana, but yes, I do work with communities outside of the, of the region, outside of the state. Um, I really just want to go to places that are in transition that have um, leaders with vision for change. Great. Well, I know we've just got a few minutes left, and I knew this would go mm-hmm. really quickly. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share? I know you're constantly stretching the limits of you know what an individual can get done in a day, a week, a month, a year. 
and you know you've been taking all kinds of educational taking on educational pursuits do you want to say just anything else about what you've been learning and how you see yourself applying that in your work yeah i would just share that um you know for any larger change to take place there has to be that investment that you make in yourself and um you know, have courage when you want to see something else uh, for your, when you, when you see something for yourself that you want. So hold on to those dreams and actually step into them. And that's why I'm, you know, I'm joined the Co-Thrive community um, because I do a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, I need to step out and be more connected to like-minded individuals that are looking for creative space like this to come together. So take advantage of um, these community, uh, these online communities as a way to really tap into your deeper potential and to share that with others. It really is a process of co-creating and and co-learning together. I really am rooted in kind of this value of learning community, and it really takes so many shapes, and I see Co-Thrive as being one of those. Well, thank you so very much for that. (laughs) That's a great affirmation for me in a relatively new project, and just feel... That's a cool idea. Thank you for bringing it to us. (laughs) Yeah, well, thanks for being a part of it. Uh, and for being my guest on the very first Co-Thrive podcast. I've had two other podcasts over the years, but this is the first episode of the Co-Thrive Community Podcast. So again, if you're just joining us, I'm host Kathy Sibyl, and Tina Rogers from Carner Blue Era LLC has been my guest today. You can find out more about Co-Thrive by visiting cothrive.org, and we'll have links to this podcast and also a write-up about Tina's business. Thanks so much for joining me tonight, Tina. Well, thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Co-Thrive. Thank you. Bye now.